The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at Hebrews chapter 8. We see in Hebrews chapter 8 that the covenant of grace is a better covenant than the covenant of the law. Jesus Christ is the minister of this better covenant, and whereas the earthly priests never quite got it right, Jesus Christ gets it right every time. Join us today as we continue looking at the better covenant of Hebrews chapter 8. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Oh, for a breach of
notice over in chapter 9 and verse 11, it says, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, you've got to have help to misunderstand that. That doesn't say he's made it possible for us to obtain it. That doesn't say that he almost obtained it. That doesn't say that he did all he could do and now it's up to you to obtain it. It says when he entered into the holy place, into the place not made by hands, one time he entered having obtained eternal redemption for us. He got it. He got it. He did it. Praise God. <laughs> See, that's the message we preach here. It's not what you have to do to get saved eternally. It's what Christ has done that has saved you eternally. And now you ought to believe it because it won't save you eternally, but it'll sure save you here and now. It'll give you rest. It'll give you hope. It'll give you encouragement that you won't find in the world. You see, he has already obtained that which was promised in the Old Covenant, and that's what the New Covenant affirms. He has come and He has obtained it. And notice that that Old Covenant was based on laws and legalism. The New Covenant is based on grace. Based on grace. Now, it would, it would be good to stop here for just a minute and make it clear again that we're not talking about that there was some flaw in the Old Covenant. There was not some flaw in the law. The law wasn't the problem. Understand that the problem was with us. We could not keep the law. The law was perfect. We couldn't keep it. But understand that Old Covenant was based upon law and legalism. Remember Romans, the 10th chapter, where he's, where he's talking about those Jews that had been born again, but were still struggling to go about to establish their own righteousness. He gets down to verse 5 and he says, here's what the law righteousness was all about. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man that which doeth those things shall live by them. See, that's what the law is all about. You want to go back to law? That's what the law is about. You've got to keep it. If you're, going to, if you're going to be saved under the law, you've got to keep the law. Galatians, going back to Galatians chapter 5 again. Notice what he says down in verse 2. He said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. That, that idea of being circumcised there was the idea of that you were a Jew, that you were going back under Judaism. And he says, I testify to you that if you're circumcised, you are a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but I think we all here understand that when he says you're fallen from grace, doesn't mean you've fallen out of grace. <laughs> doesn't mean you've fallen into hell. It means that you've fallen from your belief in grace. You have left that belief that you were saved by grace. You've left the teachings, the clear teachings of the gospel, that it's all of grace, and you're trying to insert works into it. And you're really going back into legalism. Anytime you put works in eternal salvation, you've gone back into legalism. 
you've gone back under the law. But notice what he said. He said, if you're going to do that, if you're, verse 3, if you're circumcised, then you're a debtor to do the whole law. I mean, James affirms that over in chapter 2 and verse 10. He said, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You say, well, preacher, I, you know, I haven't been too bad. I've kept most of the law. I've, I hadn't robbed any banks. I hadn't cheated my neighbors. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't stolen my neighbor's wife or stolen his cows or anything like that. I haven't done anything that violates those commandments, those outward commandments. But, you know, I read about a young man that had the same testimony over in Mark chapter 10. Came to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said, you know, you know the law. Jesus, Jesus wasn't telling him you had to keep the law to go to heaven. He was just doing as Jesus often did, answering a man according to his way of thinking. He said, you know the law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt do no murder, and so forth. He went through those. And then that man said, all these have I kept from my youth. <laughs> I've kept them all. Well, first of all, he probably thought, I don't think he was lying there. I don't think he was intentionally just making that up. I think he thought he had. I think he thought he had kept them from his youth. You know, sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're pretty good folks, you know. I hadn't, hadn't walked outside and shot anybody lately. I hadn't, hadn't robbed a bank lately, you know. I hadn't, hadn't just, you know, driven 120 miles an hour on the interstate lately. I just kind of, pretty good fella, you know. Read about some bad folks out there. I'm a pretty good guy. But here's the problem. It's the same problem the rich young ruler had. You can keep all those things outwardly, but you cannot keep them inwardly. Maybe you hadn't killed anybody lately, but you've been angry with your brother without cause. Jesus said you murdered him. See? Well, maybe you hadn't committed adultery. Have you ever lusted after a woman or a man if you're a woman? In your heart? He said, then you've committed adultery. You see, it's not about the outward appearance when you look on the eternal tables of God's justice. It's about the inward intents and thoughts of the heart. Yeah, I realize, don't get me wrong, you better, you much better, David would have been much better off to have walked upon the parapet of his castle that night and looked over there and seen Bathsheba bathing and then gone home and left her alone. He still would be guilty in his heart of adultery, but the consequences in this life would have been so much different. And I'll tell you, child of God, if you've ever, you know, looked upon someone to lust or done one of those things, committed one of those things in your heart, you're better off to leave it in your heart and not do it outwardly. But I'll tell you this, on the tables of God's eternal justice, it does not matter. There is no difference. You see, but now if you want to be saved by the law, you want to be, do you want to go back to the law? Then you got to keep them all. You can't offend in one matter. The problem with the rich young ruler was that he had kept them outwardly. But when Jesus said, okay, all right, big boy, you've been, you've been a pretty good guy. Just go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and come follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus knew right where to prick him in the heart, didn't he? Just like he knew the woman at the well. Woman at the well, go call your husband. <laughs> I mean, he knew exactly what to ask. He knew exactly what to say. And I want to say to you, child of God, he knows exactly how to get you too. <laughs> you know how I know that? Because he knows exactly how to get me. I can't tell you how many times I've been absolutely slain in my heart by the Lord 
when I would be thinking something or doing something and then turn right around, I would be judging somebody else for, for, for what they're doing and then turn right around and realize I'm doing the same thing. And my point is this, is that if you want to go back under the law, you've got to keep it perfectly. You've got to keep it perfectly. But you see, if you go back to Romans again, and you look at those in chapter 10, those Jews, it says they're going about to establish their own righteousness. But Paul said Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believeth. You see, when you understand that Christ has fulfilled the law, then you're free from that law of sin and death, and you're able to serve him no longer in servitude, but in service, no longer under bondage, but in liberty, you see. And that's the new covenant versus the old covenant. And notice also the old covenant was about the temple and the new covenant is about the heart. The new covenant is about the heart. Look at verse 7, going back to Hebrews chapter 8. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then he should have no place, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with him, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. And what he's saying here is this. He says that, he found, notice it says if the first covenant had been faultless, then there wouldn't have been any reason for the second covenant. But, but notice that the fault was not with the law. Because notice it says in verse 8, for finding fault with them. He didn't say he found fault with it. He didn't find fault with the law, but he found fault with the law keepers are those who could not keep the law. Back over in Romans chapter 7 again. Uh, and he, Paul is about to start talking to us there about all the struggles he has internally. In verse 7 he says, What should we say then is the law sin? Many people want to throw off on the law. There wasn't anything wrong with the law. The Mosaic law, the moral law, all of that was perfect. He says, God forbid, was there something wrong with the law? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet, covet, but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. In other words, the law taught me about sin, but the law was not sin. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Everybody today wants to blame the law. I'm talking about the natural law, the, 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 the law out there in society. Every time somebody gets arrested or somebody gets uh, in trouble, they say, well, it's the law. It's the law's fault. The laws are too harsh. The laws are a problem. We still, we want to do that with God's law. We want to blame the law. The law, the law, the law. Let me tell you, it's you, you, you. Not the law. Okay? He said the problem, he said he found fault with them. Okay? He found fault with them. But notice what it is that he's going to do. He said, I have a new covenant. He said, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant. In verse 10, he tells us what that is. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least unto the greatest, 
For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, notice that he says this is a new covenant, okay? This sounds suspiciously like the new birth, doesn't it? This sounds kind of like what we read about over in, over in Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Look at this. He says, in speaking to the Jews, there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without law, now see, he's talking about those that aren't under the law of Moses, those who were Gentiles, shall also, also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Now notice this in verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, that means they don't have the law of Moses. When the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And notice down in verse 28 he says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And what are you getting at, preacher? This new covenant is really an old covenant, <laughs> okay? It's really an old covenant. It's, the, it's that covenant that was established before the foundation of the world, whereby God the Father covenanted with God the Son to elect a people, to choose a people in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, and God the Son covenanted with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit to go to earth to be born of a virgin and to, uh, to walk the dusty roads of this graveyard earth to, the, to a hill called Calvary and lay down his life there to pay the sin debt for those particular people, those very ones that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And the God, the Holy Spirit covenanted with God the Father and God the Son that he in some point in their lives, he would regenerate them, he would quicken them and make them alive. You know what happens in the new birth? The law is written into the hearts and minds of God's elect children. And see, that was already in existence before the old covenant of the law. It was in existence during the time that the old covenant was in effect. And it's in existence today. And it's pointed out too there in Romans 2, like we said, those Gentiles who were not Jews, who had nothing to do with the covenant of Moses, with the old covenant, they show the work of the law written in their hearts when they do right, when they do righteously, when they live right. And you see, what he's saying here is this. He's not saying that this covenant is new in the sense of he's only going to start doing it now. He's saying it's new in the sense that that will now be the focus. See, before this time, the focus was upon the ceremonies and the types and the shadows. And, and, you know, I believe it would probably have been the case that even if they had sat down, someone had sat down with Abraham or, or Jacob or some of those Old Testament Christians before Christ came, before they knew the details of what Christ was going to do, 
Even though they knew a Savior had to come, Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. And he's going to stand one day on, the, on this earth. And, and though the skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh will I see God. But Job didn't have the details. Job didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't, if you ask Job, Job, what's the name of this Savior going to be? What's his name going to be? Man, I don't know. You know, Joshua, Jacob, John, you know, Bob. I don't, I don't know his name. Well, where's he going to be born? You know, at that time, he didn't have the prophecy of Micah and those other prophets that said it would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, you know, how, how's he going to die? What's the sacrifice going to be like? They, they didn't even really know about crucifixion back then. You see, you, if, you had, and if you had sat down with Job and said, Job, let me explain to you about the new birth. Let me explain what's going to have to happen. You know, the new birth can really only be understood in the context of what Christ did on the cross and in the context of what God did before the foundation of the world. Now, they always knew most of that, but they didn't understand what Christ was going to do. They didn't understand all the details. Even his own disciples didn't get it. It was only after the crucifixion that they got it. It was only after he was crucified, even after he was crucified, but before he rose again, they didn't get it. They fled. <laughs> they were in fear for those three days and three nights. They, you know, Thomas even said when he wasn't there, this, when Jesus appeared to him, he even said, man, I, you know, I'll never believe this until I put my fingers, my hand in his side and my fingers in those nail prints in his hand. See, but in the context, now here's what he's saying. This old covenant that was all about the temple and about, about the law and about legalism, now the new covenant is better. This new covenant I'm making is going to focus upon the heart and not the temple. You remember back over in John, the fourth chapter, when he came to this woman at the well? John chapter 4, in verse 19. This woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Here's what Jesus said, and he's referencing directly this new covenant. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. You don't understand yet, he's saying. It's what I've been saying already, that they didn't get it yet. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you see, that's what the new covenant is all about. That's why we don't have to pick up and take a plane to Jerusalem and go to the Wailing Wall and kneel down before it at some point in our lives. Just about every other religion out there requires you to take a pilgrimage at some point to go some, to some holy, sacred place. You know, we call it the Holy Land. I understand that. I don't mind that. You can call it the Holy Land. But it's not any more holy than the land out here outside this church. It's no more holy than than the place we're standing right now. As a matter of fact, where we are right now is more holy than what we call the Holy Land because where we're standing right now, we're meeting with God. 
Now, you can be over there in the Holy Land, in the land of Israel, and meet with God. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I want to go so badly. I want to go visit those places. I want to go see those places. But it's not because I'm going to try to take a pilgrimage so I can worship Him properly. Because the truth of the matter is, this is the place where I can worship Him properly. In spirit and in truth. You see, it's not about keeping the outward appearances of the law. But it's about worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And as we close, look at verse 13. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which it decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. I am so thankful to God that I was born under the covenant of grace and not under the covenant of the law. It's not that grace, grace has underpinned every covenant forever. From the very beginning of, of, the, of the sin curse on this world, it was all about grace. He said to the, to the woman, he said to Eve... That, uh, or said to the serpent that the, the seed of the woman would bruise its head even though the serpent would bruise its heel. That was grace. All through the law, the sacrifices pointed to grace, but now grace is manifest and the law worship is over. And that means we don't have to come down here on Saturday before the Sunday morning service and sanitize this building and pray prayers over it and sprinkle water and sprinkle blood over it and we don't have to get dressed up in high priestly garb and and go out here before everybody and you know I know there's a lot of religions that have these high priestly garb on I can just show up as ugly as I am <laughs> and stand here before you in my poor pitiful way and declare to you the unsearchable riches of Christ simple praise God see a better covenant. That's what he's talking about. We got all kinds of better under this covenant. I'm so thankful for the better covenant of grace. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.